We've got a few related questions this evening. Relationship, what is the relationship of tanha to chanda? These terms. Can you give a suggestion for how to arouse spiritual urgency for someone whose sankharas are geared more towards desire? On the three things to use for contemplation, kamma, nature of the body, loving kindness. Could you please expand on kamma? as an object and is there any becoming bhava that doesn't follow tanha and upadana how does wholesome becoming happen I think I'll just leave it there for tonight Mm. so just a small few points here tanha thirst Chanda, desire, motivation, putting one's energy into something. And of the three topics, it's actually four. It was not, it was, um, karma was one of them, one is mortality. Loving kindness and uh, yeah, Buddha or refuge. And then one can also um, keep orienting back towards mortality of the physical body. You know. So that that you know sets something up, doesn't it? Um, karma action that we do Buddha possibility of awakening I'm saying Buddha very broadly speaking the possibility of awakening there are those who have awakened um, teach a path for awakening say it's possible for us to move that way and also goodwill Mm. so those are the four Often one's recommended to spend a few minutes you know, going slowly through those and considering them before settling into a particular theme, meditation theme. But anyway, so karma, action, whatever action we do. So karma is new karma, which is whatever action we do for good or for ill, of that we will reap results. Also means old karma, that is what's what what we are, what's running for us now, in terms of what runs and moves is results of birth, um, results of skillful deeds, results of skillful associations, mm, results of unskillful deeds, unskillful associations. Mm. So this is kind of this is what's you know, the momentum of our lives. So because of the potency of karma, we want to make sure that 
we can steer that momentum in a direction we feel good about. This is through chetana, volition, intention. And that's, um, that's very simply, very simply, because to, um, and that's what you follow with chanda. Chanda is a sense of motivation. And chanda can be used in, in, a, in a couple of ways. as kama chanda, karma chanda, which means sense, motivation towards the sense spheres, sensuality. But there's also dhamma chanda, motivation towards dhamma. Mm. And it's, a def- it's much more uh, conscious inclination uh, that one could be focused upon and consider. Tanha is more like a blind, impulsive uh, reflex, thirst, just like you don't decide to be thirsty. You know, it just happens. And then there's a, it's always wanted to take something in, isn't it? When we're hungry, thirsty, we feel empty and needy of something, you know? Uh, and there's a certain blindness to it because it, it may launch itself towards specific objects, but really, Tanara is. is It's something that's never satisfied because the objects don't satisfy it. It's a particular um, block or an energy block or a psychological block of not being able to access one's own goodness, one's own potency. Chanda, there's more of a chance that you have a sense of, yeah, I've, I've got something good here. I want to direct it somewhere. Uh, I feel I want to fulfill this, bring this forth. Mm. Whereas Tanha, I'm empty and barren, I need to be filled. So it's quite a different thing. With Tanha, we've very much in it slightly, because there's, there's this pathology about it, it's, it's murky in some ways, it could be blazingly strong. And yet it's, 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 what are you looking for? We're looking for some kind of glow experience, heat experience, you know, where, and it's, it's a mirage, we're, we're following a mirage, dazzled. Mm. There's a blind push towards it, where there's no um, clarity, and no, no sense of consequence. With chanda, you can build in. Yeah. So, they what I called the path to success, the idipada, chanda, virya, chitta, vimangsa. So, these are four factors that are considered to lead to good fortune in whatever one does. Not just meditation being anything you do, a certain motivation. Right, that's what I want to do. Then virya, you put some energy into it, you apply your energy, you put your energy there. Jitta, you take it into awareness, 
you're aware of that and you incline your intentions that way. With monks, uh, you explore, you deliberate. What's this? How does that work? And what's the result of that? You're testing it out. So in that sense, Chanta leads a list of skillful factors. Tanha never does. It's always upadana, clinging, fixation. There's a mesmerized quality about it. Dazzled by the mirage. And this leads to this helter-skelter becoming, like a, we're thrown into something. We take, you know, and then we're driven into a particular need form, a form of need, a need form. Skillful becoming is then based upon chanda or dharma chanda. Chanda is a idipada, uh, spiritual potency. So then um, there is motivation to um, you know, brighten the mind, to resolve, to determined to give up something unskillful, to determine to pick up something and stay with it, motivation, chanda. And you apply it to a specific, specific something, topic, something within reach that you can direct to. Or you may in fact just, um, something's not so in reach, but may I? May I, you know, may I be well? May I arrive at, uh, may others be well? That's a chanda. That's a wishing motivation. But, um, so this motivation could be slow, careful. May I arrive at, may my mind dwell in, in jhana. Hmm, how does that go around? Put your energy there. Focus your awareness, attention liberate, you know, and do what is needed. It doesn't have to be, you know, frantic, but a steady inclination. Something must be done here, do this, stop doing that, let go of this, pick up that. And this is the skillful kinds of becoming. And then this is what bhavana, so we have bhava, and bhavana is making something become. And that's the general term for meditation in, in Buddhism is bhavana, skillful becoming. So with this uh, quality of motivation then uh, You feed that into your process of karma, you know, say what you do, and then you know, where you put forth your attention, your energy. Mm. Mm. So, which will give you some results. 
So you start to do things like, well, okay, I can do some motivation towards um, service, towards uh, putting some energy into my life. Just, you know, it's, it's uh, without this, people will go very flat. You know, I mean, sometimes people just get really depressed and impotent and sag. And it's quite easy to, to just veg out, you know, watch the TV, watch the baseball game, flick on your your cell phone and smartphone and flick through that and just vegetate and not really take responsibility. You know, pick yourself up and do. Uh, you know, if it's just, you know, help out. Anything you can get your hands on that's skillful because you want to, there's a certain requirement to to warm the chitta, to warm it. It doesn't have to be on fire, but warm it up. So you warm it by some chanda. So when I can do this, maybe I can't, you know, realize first jhana, but I could help out, you know, walk a dog or something. <laughs> Just to have something you care for and can put your heart into. Now this is a really important factor because it's 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 illuminating some potency, and without this illumination, this warming of one's potency, what are we? It's going to want us dead, really. Just get swished along in the stream. So to have that sense, first of all, you count, you're here, your your life is meaningful, faith, chanda, motivation, and what is unskillful, what is skillful, and start, start the feedback loop, and begin to look at things like virtues, generosity, parami, and do those. Something you can do. You could be patient. You could be truthful. You could develop goodwill. You could, you know, not just as an but actually practice it. Resolve. So this is bringing, you know, potency into one's life. So karma is not something to be frightened of. I don't want to create any karma. You must create karma. Because if you don't create it, you're just stuck in the stuff you've already got. (laughs) And you just recreate in that. (laughs) There's no like, I I could either create some karma or just coast. No, you're either in old karma, you're either sitting in your own bath water, washing the scum around you, or you get out. And, you know, we started in this psychological, who's, who's the one who's doing karma? Oh, goodness, you know, it's so complicated. Look, you know, do you put food in your mouth? Well, that's called karma. You know, whether you, who's doing it or not isn't really an issue. It's just that's what, <laughs> that's what we, action, you do, we do act. So it's, uh, you know, there's an intention to do so. So you firm it up. And uh, there's the kinds of karma, 
uh, bright, dark, mingled, and the karma that leads to the end of karma, our karma that gets you out of the vipaka. Yeah, or at least out of it enough to see if what it is, and to no longer be embedded in it. It's a, so most people will still carry traces and bruises and so forth of vipaka results, but there's some sense of, okay, you know, that's a pebble in my shoe, but I can keep walking. You know, it's not something that's going to really bind you, bind you. So bright karma, pretty straightforward, do good. That dark karma, that which leads through the heart's darkening and closure, darkening of it, so it becomes um, muddy, unpleasant to live with, and the closure of it, closure of one's heart, callous, insensitive, don't care, don't care about myself, dark, the lights go out, no luminosity, mingled, means a bit of both, and then karma that leads to the end of the karma, which is essentially things like Eightfold Path, uh, factors of enlightenment, you're putting energy into bringing those into being and uh, acting on them, specifically acting upon them. So we have this possibility and the recollection of it is, you know, well, if you're not, you know, doing that, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, Eightfold Path is not that narrow, really. Right livelihood, right speech, right action is not. It's pretty broad. So can you, you probably are doing it, but do you, do you recollect that you're doing it? Do you place your chitta in that? Or do you just, the mind just sink into the old, you know, vipaka? Which it does, you know, we can be doing good and still thinking, still feeling bowed down by, you know, sorrows and pains. Uh, or guilty, shamed, and so on. Mm. So this is where the... Uh, Enlightenment factors and things like metta bhavana are to be cultivated in order to cut away this darkness of the heart, the closure of the heart. Yeah. So that there is some brightness in becoming that. So we have something we definitely feel. Not just an idea, remember? So I'd call this like building a Dharma body instead of this pain body, this, man, this you know, bruised body. It's purely a colloquial expression. You know, it's this phrase I conjure up. But because my sense is that this quality of, of good karma, if you reflect upon it deeply, you, you should feel some sense of resonance in that. You feel yourself straighten or lift. So your breath changes. 
you know, your demeanour brightens. Um, it certainly clouds over when we go into the, the dark stuff. So, when you're in, so when you're constellating, crystallising virtues and parami, skills and realizations, really take the time to linger in it. Sense it. Sense what's happening in your breathing. May not, not may not be that different, but just if you. Bear your breathing in mind when you sense kindness, patience, virtue. Uh, I don't know, my, my, my sense of this is there's a particular way in, in which those are not just ideas, they have, they have a certain energy to them. It's one of my pet words, is it energy, but a certain quality that does come into the body. Said you know, the arahants, they say your 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 countenance is serene. Your your faculties are clear and bright. Qualities of mitta bhavana. Uh, one has a beautiful countenance. Animals love you. They're attracted to your your demeanour. Mm. Something actually comes in, seems to come into the body at a somatic and physiological level, just as clearly we recognize stress does. So, why can't virtue? Thank goodness. Then, there's just something you really feel it. And who are you in that? And what what are you not when you're in that fortunate space? Notice what you're not, what's not on your back what's not congested, what's not steaming away, what's not ang- you know, bothering you. Notice that's not there. Notice what is there. Linger in it, dwell upon it. So this is then this motivation, the chanda is to be um, directed and made so that we get fortunate results and take them in. So this is called the best kind of becoming. We may truly understand as an idea, Nibbana is the end of becoming. But uh, this is true, but this is not realizable without skillful becoming. You have to go through a process of, of enough healing, enough fortification, enough nourishment to not be, have your chitta so impaired, so closed, uh, that you can't really reflect on things in a steady way. The necessity for Nibbana is the ability to, you know, lift the chitta from, you know, stuff, aggregates, we've called them, and survey it and relax its intentions. Intentionality, karma, stops. The karmic because we we have enough. And so with chanda, the point of it is, 
which under you could actually get to the end of your desire. With tanha you don't. Which under you say, I want that, and you get it. Mm. Oh, then you notice you've got and what you've got. Ah. Now contemplate. Step back, step out. Relax your intentions. Relax the mo- relax the onward movement. That becomes possible when one is not harrowed and hounded by, you know, the dark sides of our experience. They have to be cleared away. Now, for a person whose mind is, talks about sankharas that move towards desire, well, as I say, there are skillful desires. It's important to then because we are desire beings. This is called the, um, the realm of desire, the human realm, sense desire. Uh, so, well then, desire something really worthwhile. <laughs> you know? And so, particularly with, you know, maybe someone's got a food, greedy, that kind of thing, gratification. Um, just acknowledge that, or contemplate what occurs with the when one follows that, as I'm sure we all have done and do in various things, how the mind is right going into uh, quicksand, how the mind kind of just clog, bogs down in it, settles down in it. Uh, it's like you, you drown in it, not dead, but smothered by uh, the, of the phenomenon of greed. We are grabbed by it, we are swamped by it, we are uh, like in quicksand, sucked, sucked under, the chitter is sucked down, sucked in by, by uh, this experience, smothered. It's kind of uh, groggy. It may, it may seem really flaming and bright, the desire is bright, but the jitta's sense of discernment <laughs> is minimal. <laughs> when one's in a heavy, you know, greed, greed, lust trip, it's not clearly discerning. It's just blind hog to the trough <laughs> thing. And so you, 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 you can just witness that. Just, like I call it, looking at the face of the mind. So when the mind's obsessed with greed, what, is it, what do you think it looks like? Eyes bulging, tongue hanging out, craning forward like a, like a hungry dog. When I, you think, oh dear, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> you know, this sense of before you act upon it, just catch and reflect. And notice the the sort of the way when we we absorb into a sense object, then we just become that, and there's a sense of immersion in it, which I think is why it is attractive. You know why people get addicted because for that time when you're in that swamp, the rest of the world disappears and all the stuff about it. You're just immersed in your 
in your your stuff. Uh, and this is sort of a easy way out of the chafing and the perplexities and the ambiguities of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, it's getting into addiction, then um, you know, people, heroin addicts I've known, and say, well, eventually you only have one thing. That's the only one thing left in your life. So it makes it very simple. Extremely simple. Everything else goes. And everything else goes. It makes it very, life gets very, very simple. Your moral conscious, no. Questioning, no. Just get your hit. And so, so, you know, then what is the degree, what are we, yeah, clearly without the choice making, the perplexities, the ambiguities, the, but then we've lost so much of our potential to choose and discern, to gather strength, to make the mind strong and healthy. And greed is the collapse of of um, of our jitters potential collapse into something. So you know, I mean, so if one's greed or desire is not for anything that's that that really bad for you, but still, so you can you can contemplate when you get into your food or your. You know, things that we rather enjoy. And just that sense of, for that moment, you know, I'm just with my cappuccino grande with whatever it is. I just, you know, who cares about anything? I've got my thing. <laughs> and and then, then you come out, oh dear, when was that? So it just kicks the can down the road a little way. We still have the problem, but we never develop the resilience to, to meet it. To greed weakens the mind. Mm. These are things to, these are not morally dying, things to, to ask yourself and question and look at and remind yourself of and check out, is this true? Mm. And then make your desire something really worthwhile. It's not to not have it, but to make it something that's going to shoot your arrow in the right direction, aim yourself in the right, in a way you could make the mind stronger, uh, more useful, more resilient, and more joyful. These are worthy objects. So this is the then this Bhava, the Bhava that doesn't follow Tanha and Upadana. This is this direction. Uh, upadana is a sort of mechanism of fixation. So again, one can get fixated on one's achievements. If you've done some skillful things, you can get, I am this, I am that. And 
Um, but then, you know, that's part of practice is to to see these blemishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's also so important to to not devalue uh, realizations, attainments, um, skills. Yeah. So the proper way to uh, for this assessment is say, uh, not oh, I'm great. I'm a great meditator. Or anything, but just oh, this is this is good fortune for me. This uh, the quality of ill will has not been present. I've been blessed. You know, the quality of loving kindness has been present for me. I've been blessed. You know, there's a certain sense in the I am is more, you know, modest and and assessing, because what arose was not I am. What arose was metta or calm, or sati, factors arose. So then we appreciate, and we should appreciate, we should really appreciate uh, skillful factors as they arise. This will make them strong, and we'll get benchmarks for where we want to steer and how we want to live our lives. So the upadana occurs when the sense of I am fixates on experience and this fixation you know strangely enough yeah the the, you know we can get welded to things and this eliminates the sense of appreciation and belonging whereas if we have more space then we we feel truly touched rather and marveling and open for further cultivation, for, for further things to ripen, with a certain spaciousness. Whereas if we fixate on it, then all we do is just develop ego. A certain grandiosity occurs. Uh, and so these are things to just bear in mind. And, but to the, the uh, balancing of, of one's practice. Okay, that's enough for tonight.